This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well, I think since I've been in the door, that's our worst performance. I think we're way off the level by far and uh, we have to be careful that we don't repeat that performance because we can be dragged down this league and dragged down pretty quickly so there needs to be a drastic improvement individually and collectively we were way off it today and we got what we deserved we certainly took steps back today uh, it's a frustrating day I can't think of many positives um, I thought our two centre-halves held us together I thought Phil, Phil done everything he could to try and get us back in the game but all in all we were way off our level Welcome, welcome, welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, your host. Joining me to uh, talk about what happened at St. James's, Mr. Chris Bird and Mr. Phil Shaw. Ah, uh, hello. Hello. Are you ready to start your weekend now, Chris, now that the villa are out of the way? And Hell yeah, I am. <laughs> a couple of hours left of Sunday. Absolutely. <laughs> to save this weekend. To make this bloody Valentine even worse. Ooh. Well, uh, I think this is going to be a shorter than normal podcast. A swearier. <laughs> no... Swearier, yeah. We're going to be bringing back the Chris Bud swear count. That'll be returning. Not much to get excited about, uh, really. No. Uh, coming up in the show, we'll go through the Villa news uh, and then the three points. Before uh, trying to drag our memories through what happened at St. James's on a uh, Sunday afternoon, where a, a-, a ground that we haven't won almost... Uh, in 17 years and this was surely uh, a, a final opportunity to uh, get a win there uh, because they're going to be immortal soon once they're dropping uh, 100 million on every player anyway we'll see how that worked out for us uh, let's start with uh, oh let's get some news on the go here shall we talk about the escalating situation in the ukraine or uh, do you want villa news <sighs> Let's just get on with the Villa news because yep. that's equally messy are you sure yeah <laughs> right uh Let's get some Villa news down our necks, shall we? (laughs) 
So uh, Mr. Bertrand Traore has uh, has a hamstring in- injury. Or COVID. Is he still in Africa? Did he come back? Who knows where he is? No one knows. Well, it, it's a weird one, this, because I think I mentioned it on something for the weekend. When uh, they asked Gerard about the uh, injury situation, he just spoke about, uh, he said, you know, Coutinho uh, should be fine. Buendia's taking a knock. But apart from that, every, everybody's good. You know, Bailey's in full training it might be too soon for him but everybody's good it wasn't like it was a standout thing oh we've just had a you know troy's had an injury hamstring injury it's almost like that was tacked on he's forgot about him or yeah he's forgot about him already you know it's one of those excuse injuries where something's happened like you know paul mcgrath disappears uh after you know all all night drinking and it's like oh uh you know he's got a hamstring injury just basically a cover-up. So I don't know if there's a bit of that or, or what's going on there. Moving on, a uh, final piece of uh, this window. Transfer news is Trezeguet. Uh, unfortunately, went before uh, Truro got his hamstring injury. Uh, headed straight from uh, the AFCON final, uh, where unfortunately uh, Egypt lost on penalties to Senegal. Uh, he headed off to Istanbul and has now joined uh, Basak Shahir. Basak Bash, How is your cold, David? <laughs> my cold, I, my cold is bad, so I, there's no chance on Turkish it, pronunciation. Not happen with with all those accents in. Bash Ak Shahir. There you go. So so good luck to him, <laughs> and good luck to you with your cold. Need to blow my nose already. Anyway, good luck to him. Uh, will we? Uh, when these players go out on loan, I always think to myself, uh, well, we won't see him in a Villa shirt again. I think he might get to preseason, but I think you know it's a sign. Uh, He's potentially uh, on his way. Although in Trezeguet, he, you know, he had a serious injury. So uh, Gerard said he just yeah, he needs to just go and play. There is a conversation, yeah, in, in, and a logic in terms of him needing games. So uh, we'll see how that transpires. Uh, meanwhile, speaking of loans, uh, Cameron Archer uh, continuing where he left off, just scoring all the time for Preston. Out of that. The one at Peterborough, great goal. Preston are well happy with uh, what's going on there. So Villa's stock, in the eyes of uh, Preston fans at least, has has, uh, gone up. But, you know, as I've always said, uh, anybody asks the question, who are you most excited about in terms of the Villa youth? Uh, Just the sheer instinctive finishing of Archer is uh, it kind of gets you excited. Uh, (laughs) You could make a case for him jump in ahead of Watkins and uh, Ings uh, eventually just if he, if he's like deadly I mean he's got he can, he's got it all hasn't he in terms of he's not just like a tapping merchant natural finisher the, the Peterborough mm-hmm. goal showed that from anywhere yeah. left foot right foot header brilliant and quite a good uh, wicket to be on at Preston actually so uh, we will see how he uh, continues uh, there is always the uh, tendency in the, the Villaverse to get excited about uh, everything so let's <laughs> <laughs> Everything. So let's, let's judge him over a period of time. But uh, so far, so good. Finn Azaz, who uh, came in from Albion and we loaned him straight out to Newport County, one young player of the month for the uh, EFL uh, for his uh, loan. So that, that's another good sign as well. Meanwhile, Villa ladies beat Everton 2 0 away, which uh, is a decent result in terms of uh, pretty much rubber stamping uh, safety and uh, another season and progress from last season uh, so far. Although they, they have bought in a, quite a few players since last season and a new manager. So uh, a few more wins and uh, I think it will be legitimate progress uh, factoring in all the changes. Meanwhile, at Villa Park, the sustainable cup scheme has come in. You will have seen it at Leeds where you get 10p back for your cup. 
I thought I was expecting the the edge best in one pound and about. make it worthwhile to go and foraging for <laughs> yeah, cups at full time. You can mind sweep at the end of games or get beer snakes going from the lower halt to the upper halt. This is about the only cup action we've got at Villa Park, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That'll probably be some of the best set piece work we'll see at Villa Park all season as well. <laughs> Don't get me started on oh. set pieces. <laughs> Don't get me started. I'm already warming up for when we uh, address the Newcastle Sharp game. Sharpen the knives. Right, before we uh, get to that, uh, I think it's time for some Media Muppets action. So, Phil, what's in the Media Muppet trough this week? Well, it's an ensemble piece in The Athletic about what the, yeah, what the five teams at the bottom need to do to survive. N- not play Villa. Win! Yeah, play Villa every week. That would be what they need to do to survive. <laughs> But it's a kind of piece I like where they get the team reporter on, they say what they need to do to, to stay up. But then it all starts going downhill when they start shoehorning stats in. The best one's about Brentford. They go, Brentford score an average one goal per game, which does not match up to the quality of chances they're producing, 1.16. If this can be corrected, they should stay up without any trouble. So I got the calculator out and did the math. So it's not matching up. So they need to improve by 0.16. That's an extra two goals over the course of the remaining 15 games. So that'll definitely keep them up. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh yeah <laughs> not exactly an exact science is it no now, i do like i mean there's a lot of stats that i use just for engagement that uh, people put up any old stats there's all these stat accounts now philip Coutinho ones like uh, there was this big stat comparison he has generated the most goals and assists in the first 105 minutes of uh being in a villa shirt and then like a list it's like gee this is so tenuous i mean stats that you actually rub your chin and go, ooh, interesting. It's like over a period of games, like a substantial period, not like a few fucking minutes. Yeah, and then... It's kind of laughable. The, the one on the Watford, and this is a good one, Joshua King is central to Watford's hopes of scoring and creating goals as he leads the way in XG and X assist. And the new one, progressive receptions. Now, <laughs> progressive reception? NFL. No, NFL. progressive reception. It's not a Genesis tribute wedding band. I googled it, and I can't even find the answer in Google. <laughs> But the final line of this is, however, something in the data which has not been captured is the absence of Ismail Sar. Well, I think you've struck gold there. I think their best player being out is maybe what they need to get back to survive. So one line, sort of the game. <laughs> Progressive receptions. Ridiculous. Stats. Yes, good for cricket, um, baseball, baseball, NFL. But this game's too fluid to get so... I mean, uh, don't get me started. Let's move on, shall we, to the three points... First point, uh, the UK and Ireland have negated uh, an opportunity to host the 2030 World Cup. Instead, they said, let, let us host the 20 and 28 uh, Euros, which, uh, considering they hosted uh, England, uh, hosted the final of the last Euros and made a pig's arse of that. Uh, is this a bit of a waste of time? Which well, it's the cheaper version, isn't it? You get a, and you get a gain quicker. I think you get the financial windfall of having a tournament faster than a World Cup, and you don't have to do as much work for it. So it's a typically English way of doing it. Let's cut corners, save a bit of money. Yeah, but do you think they've got a chance uh, after uh, what happened at Wembley? Maybe that's why they've tacked Ireland, and Northern Ireland on as well. Yeah, and Scotland as well. And yeah. Wales, yeah. I think Just... there's a chance because they've, they've got the stadiums already there to actually uh, have it, and the infrastructure's there. But they should have the final in Dublin, though, instead of I think, Wembley. I think the Just... first game's in Dublin, to be fair. <laughs> should be at Villa Park, the final. Whoop, no, no, we all agree yeah. with that, then. Yep. 
Yeah, <laughs> nobody against that decision. Right, we'll we'll uh, rubber stamp that one in. It's it's happening. The tournament's going to expand. How many teams is it at the moment? So it's, is it 24 at the moment? But it's going up to 32. So you can have 63 games, which is why they'd have all the extra stadiums spreading it out into right. Scotland and Ireland, Northern Ireland, obviously Wales as well. So there's like 55 UEFA nations currently. So 32. Will, so what's the point of qualifying? Basically, everybody there's, there's, gets there's, in. Ironically, like you know, <laughs> Scot- Scotland, all the host nations aren't actually guaranteed to qualify i was going to say you, you would think everybody gets in but oh <laughs> no, not the historically monaco the uk they need to well surely you'll get a buy if you're hosting it you're part of the uk well i think they say the two stadiums that are under consideration is uh windsor park the national stadium and casement park which is the main gaa stadium so pick one on either side of the community so i'd rather not give it to any over here just in case you start something <sighs> right moving on swiftly moving on swiftly Number two, Manchester United are threatening to revoke season ticket holders who don't use their tickets for at least 10 games a season. It comes after United have contacted more than 50,000 current season ticket holders, making it clear they will not be welcome back for the 2023-24 campaign unless this condition is met. Now, interestingly, behind the scenes at Villa, because Villa have now got a... uh, well, they sell out their allocation of season ticket now, and there is obviously a waiting list. Uh, is it? It's about five hundred million now, isn't it? I can't remember. It was after the uh, St James's Park <laughs> performance. Yeah, as we know, it goes up with defeats. So, and when you when you when you actually add an inept performance to it, it actually doubles. That's that's just that's that's the how, that's how it works. I mean, I don't com- make the rules. Com- compound interest. Compound exactly. interest. But interestingly enough, that is one thing. Uh, I mean, people are you know go in uproar about this, but actually, Aston Villa are contemplating a similar rule they will be monitoring uh, season ticket usage because they obviously want people who uh, have the tickets to actually be at the games so uh, keep an eye out for I think, that I think Manu's argument is that they want it to be full and what Manu fans are doing especially obviously maybe ones who don't live in the area which I think Manu have quite a large amount that don't yeah. um, is if you can't go get the resale stuff sorted rather than just having empty seats. Now, Old Trafford, you kind of get away with it. I know the Cup game, for example, it was about 73,000, which is still a bloody good turnout, but that's 2,000 empty seats, which Old Trafford doesn't show as much. Of course, if you're at Villa and you get, you know, couple of thousand empty seats it's going to show up a little bit more yeah because obviously you know in a situation where more affluent people can just buy the uh, the season ticket just to have it in the back locker you know or even have it as like a pocket um, in case they need it uh, rather than being something like you know they're dedicated to get the full value out of going to every game yeah yeah or even some some supporters have it as a to sell, don't they? They just buy it to sell. And this is another thing, but you know, clubs don't want people profiteering on uh, season tickets, and you know, ultimately they prefer the person to buy it to actually be attending. So uh, Villa are actually monitoring uh, that situation as well uh, behind the scenes. So uh, watch out if you are uh, on the make. Point number three: uh, after what's happened uh, during the week, uh, here's a good news cat story. Obviously, I'm referring to a certain gentleman who uh, likes to kick cats and uh, thinks it's funny. But uh, the good cat story to uh, hopefully balance the cat force is uh, a cat that stopped play uh, during a game between Sheffield Wednesday and Wigan before being carried off the pitch by uh, Wigan's Jason Keir in the uh, 94th minute. Was the cat on the pitch for the whole 94 minutes <laughs> when, when did he come on the pitch no i just ran on at the end all right it was reunited with its owner after being missing for months what did it did it get a season ticket be he joined the uh, he joined the sheffield wednesday band actually he's been playing trumpet 
<laughs> with, uh, what's his name who's the big fat guy I forget his name Tango isn't it the owner was contacted by vets uh, after the cat called Topsy was taken in and had her microchip scanned it was later revealed the pet had gone missing two and a half miles away from the stadium seven months prior to her appearance uh, at Hillsborough sounds like some of the Villa midfield man it takes them seven months to turn up at Villa <laughs> Maybe we should microchip them. <laughs> Line up. <laughs> Where's Douglas Louise gone? It's all right. He's in Aston Park. He's close. <laughs> yeah, they, they should microchip them all. And then we they could have an app and they, they could deliver an absolute stats feast to you uh, via an app. Or an electric shock the other way. I was thinking, yeah, I, was, I was kind of going that way as well, Phil. <laughs> Progressive receptions. <laughs> put, it, put it in the mixer. Not enough progressive receptions. I'm going to give him a fucking electrical blast. Good luck with reception at Villa Park. <laughs> right before we get into the nitty gritty of the Newcastle clash, a shout out to the people who keep us sane after performances like that. The My Man Said patrons. Thank you very much for joining us in uh, Match Club for the Newcastle game. Uh, also, shouts out to the new patrons uh, ray o'connor doug sinclair aka villa ds jacob russell also a big thanks to the people who signed up as annual members where you get uh, two months free uh, that's 15 percent off uh, rob uh, atrady or is that pronunciation a bit too june and uh, also daniel berwick for uh, switching from monthly to annual two once again thank you very much and if you want to join uh, to get access to uh, match club and also the extra patreon podcast channel where new shows are now dropping frequently please go to uh, com website and check on the patreon link for more details thank you very much and there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, uh, on to the main section. The aforementioned trip to uh, St. James's Park. <sighs> Away the lads. Uh, selection, Buendia. We were kind of deliberating uh, what would happen if Buendia was not fit. Uh, he was. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if that was ultimately a good thing in the end. Uh, Chambers came in as expected uh, for uh, Konza, right-footed centre-back for a right-footed centre-back. And that was it. We lost 1-0. Uh, <laughs> lost 1-0. Uh, good night. Yeah. <laughs> good night. <laughs> uh, this was a shambles. Awful. So. I mean, where the hell do you start with this one? Uh, the bottom line is here. I mean, I went into this game. We'd predicted it would be a difficult game, didn't we? Well, it's, that's, there's no great fucking prediction. We've, we haven't won there for 17 years, and it's always hard, even with good, decent Villa teams. But 
and you've got an improving Newcastle team. You've got a crowd that's uh, now having a very good sense that they're going to stay up this season, and then uh, they'll be able to uh, really cut loose in the transfer windows. And you know, so this is an opportunity for Villa to step on their heads and keep them down because uh, it's long term. It affects Villa as well. If Villa's ambition is to try to actually uh, break into those European places, Newcastle is certainly going to be another force. And uh, I don't think we've got a head start on them, judging by this game. Hmm. It's not as if uh, I mean, if we got the, if they got relegated, which uh, Villa winning would have helped, uh, then at least we've got a, a season or two uh, head start there to really uh, make a claim for uh, those European places and, and hopefully trying to get established at that, that end. But anyway, you know, these were the consequences at stake here. But uh, so if Villa didn't win this game. It's no surprise, but what you expect from Villa is to actually attempt to try to get something out of the game. And this was a, a poor performance. Uh, I mean, in a word, I would say shambolic. Uh, I mean, if you just take let's, let's start with the uh, what we what we were witnessing on the just set pieces. I mean, you get a set piece where you know Villa are doing these fancy free kick routines where you know they're doing break dancing and step overs and all these kind of things in position in positions where you just get it in there or you know just hit it yeah and you're thinking louise has got a shot on him and there's always louise and mcginn hovering over the ball and we've seen this for a few games now and the first one they do they just run into each other don't they yeah. And then when they finally deliver it goes over everyone anyway yeah it's it's over here it's shocking because i mean it's like teams are going to start laughing at Villa when they get a set page. It's going to go, oh, what what tricks are they going to pull out of their sleeve now before it ends up going out for a goal kick? I mean, it's it's got to that stage. The thing that would be most surprising would just be a simple ball put into an area where players can challenge for it, but it's it's never happens. So meanwhile, early on in the season, because the headline is Villa have got a specialist uh, set piece coach. You know, we take a long throw, it gets flicked on. Ings scores. Mainly, the credit should go to Ings. This is against Newcastle in the uh, the first game. Credit mainly goes should go to Ings since it was an acrobatic overhead kick volley. But you know, in the press, it's oh, Nanny McPhee, Nanny McPhee. Everybody's referencing McPhee as like this some kind of Yoda alchemist of set pieces. And uh, watching this game, you're thinking the players don't know what's happening. They're so undecided what's happening. They're not on the same frequency. You've got two players running up and, and both running into each other. You've got overhit balls at every opportunity. And then when we're defending a free kick, which is on the edge of the box, central, and Troupier's lining up, and anybody who's watched Troupier takes a free kick, you know he's going to go and hit it. Like, basically, it's going to be hit for power. Most important thing is to keep a wall solid. And uh, there's Emmy Buendia and uh, Emmy Mart- Martinez having a big debate before you know before he's uh, running up to strike the ball about you know where Buendia's asking where he should be. Just it sh- and it should be on the bloody end of the wall. Detaches himself off the wall, which is a pivotal position because if you're putting a hole there, then you're just asking for trouble because you're exposing your keeper big time. And he breaks from the wall, the ball comes off his uh, thigh and uh, into the net it goes. And it's not the first time this season. If you think back to the, the winning goal for Wolves in the 3-2, that was target off the wall, yeah. off his back. And yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's systematic. So everybody's uh, putting uh, the set-piece coach on a on a throne. And they're not getting particularly getting at the set-piece coach, but it's the people just a lazy hype-up job. And uh, what I'm looking at, uh, you know, I'm seeing notes being passed onto the pitch. I'm seeing players confused. 
these are routines that should be worked out on the uh, training field and actually down pat by the time you get onto the pitch you know exactly what's happening you know exactly when to execute a certain play at a certain time and I'm just seeing confusion and, it, and it's stunting uh, it doesn't look like it's a it's a team with a fluid game plan they're you know they're kind of almost like thinking through their heads before they do anything rather than doing anything instinctively and uh, it's hindering us it's just fucking painful to watch some of the villas you know first half was i mean i mean i'll give i'll give newcastle a little bit of credit in the first half i thought they worked hard i thought they battled well they didn't show a lot of quality though it was one of those games where they weren't particularly great and we were god awful for long periods and you're talking about like bad in terms of simple things you know the real basics of the game that we've spoken about for years when we were in the championship and back in the premier league you know winning the first ball winning the second ball keeping the ball passing it Simple things, really simple things. Didn't do any of it. First no. half was just a horrible watch. And, when we, and ironically, though, the, the very few occasions towards the end of the first half that we actually strung two or three passes together in their third, I thought we looked kind of all right. I mean, you know, McGinn had the one that comes out to him on the edge of the penalty area, little flash shot, deflects past the post. If that had gone in, you'd have been like, wow, bloody hell, we didn't deserve that. Yeah, I mean, the possession stats were suggesting that we were dominated. I mean, the first half, I think it was about 59. It finished uh, on 63. But for a team, in in terms of possession stats, seemed to be dominating the game. We had no control over that game at any point. None none whatsoever. Well, we lost the midfield. The reality is we lost the midfield battle, didn't we? You know, McGinn McGinn and Louise lost out to Joe Linton and Shelby. Then the three in front of them. You know, Ramsey, Buendia, Coutinho were just completely ineffective. If you just say that again, who our midfield lost out to? You lost out to Joe Linton, a 40 million flop of a converted striker, and Shelby, who is almost past it. And you have Joe Willock in there for legs, but you shouldn't be losing out to that midfield. It's just that they knew what to do. Well, we're struggling against any team uh, in terms of uh, midfield shape and how we uh, allow such room to be exploited as well. I mean, more so uh, in the game against uh, Leeds when they broke through our lines. But, uh, I mean, we'll get on to this uh, in a minute in terms of uh, how we're failing to have any degree of control. But, you know, in that first half, I think Coutinho wasn't in the game. He had about 11 touches, Watkins, 10 touches. While the possession was right up there, those guys weren't getting a sniff. So, uh, just there was nothing. I mean, we didn't have a shot on target until uh, I think there was it Louis' free kick, which was a powder puff effort, and then the obviously the uh, the VAR incident, which one shot on target all game, and you supposedly had sixty three percent of possession. I mean, both goalkeepers barely had a save to make all game, did they? You know, considering the Leeds game was branded by Gerrard as uh, was you know a real you know like a, a real example of the Premier League to the world. This was very much one of those ones you think, yeah, the Premier League can get in the bin if that's the best you got to offer. <laughs> <laughs> It was atrocious. Phil, I was I was actually staring in disbelief. I thought to myself, "It's it's like Groundhog Day. You're here again. It's like Villa were for times in that first half against Leeds. Villa were unplayable. It comes to today. Even if you go back another game against Everton, strong spine of the team, good rear yeah, guard absolutely. performance in the second half, absolutely. and then this just comes out and it's like they're just stupid. I mean, it it it, it does come down to this stupidity. That, I mean, we've said before, not learning from your mistakes. It, I think it's more based than that. It's like. I mean, is it assumed by some of the the coaching staff that they come in that, that these players actually know the, the very sort of like the nice, the very basics of you know when to foul, when to slow the game down, when to take a throw, what direction to throw? You know, if and it always ends up just the same. It's just like I mean, we actually made the tactical fouls in the last five minutes when we want to keep the game flowing instead of at the start when they were sort of trying to play. 
Yeah, I mean, and the weird thing is, I mean, I expected a better version of Newcastle. So if you had told me before the game that was how Newcastle were going to play and that was as good as Newcastle were going to get, I, I would have said, well, this should be a, a, actually a surprisingly easier three points uh, than, I, than I expected. But uh, saying that, that just shows you how bad Villa were. Yes, and while you say while you say there was an improvement in the second half, I would say the main reason there was an improvement in the second half is Trippier went off because he has that Newcastle side drilled. I don't think it's anything to do. Well, maybe I'll not give Nettie Howe much credit. Yeah, I think I think we were better, and then obviously we, we once we got a bit a bit up ahead of steam, the goal gets disallowed, and of course it's what was it like a however many minute delay for that, and again all the momentum goes. Newcastle could get the odd injury, and yet again, just like with the Leeds game, and teams are learning this now. If you take the momentum out of Villa. He's kind of like pulling the rug from. Well, I think the momentum went on that VAR decision when I saw that, and and they show you the line, and because it's uh, it's not obvious, no the first glance you have, not obvious at all. So there, it takes minutes. I mean, they've already celebrated it. They're at the halfway line. They're starting cold. And uh, suddenly, uh, it's chalked off, and you think, well, hang on a minute. First of all, clear and obvious, and then secondly, if that is offside, that should take a second. And I just looked at that five seconds and I'm like, yeah, that's kind of onside. It's, yeah, and, and if you, you think know, the, that, the line's yeah. thicker now as well. You know, if you think back to Newcastle, Watkins' first goal against Newcastle at home last season, same scenario over again. Ball's played in, Watkins is clearly offside, but the Newcastle player fails in his clearance and then it goes on to Watkins who scores. Same again. Coutinho hits it, the Newcastle player fails in his clearance and it goes to Watkins the back. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, put it, I put up on social media that is some serious far bullshit. And, uh, you know, the odd Villa fan are going, well, it was offside though. It was offside though. But the VAR bullshit is, if that's offside or not, it shouldn't a should be pulled up. It's on the red line. It's it, that is it's almost uh, subjective. It's, it's not. It's close. not clear and obvious. And if it takes an amount of minutes to call, then it, that shouldn't be fucking given. It should be uh, as ruled on the pitch. If you're looking at it, if you're in that VAR box and it's gone past ten seconds, and you're like, oh, I don't know that you, that should be it. That keep to the pitch decision. But it kind of summed up the game, you know. When that I think when that decision goes against you. You know you're not winning that game because you felt when that was you know one all and it game was on, on the scoreboard. You suddenly thought, right, this should fucking wake Villa up. Finally, I mean, you were hoping when Chambers committed that foul and it wasn't given a penalty because it was just outside the box. You were hoping that would be a wake up call. And then when uh, Trippier slammed it into the net, it was like, ah, oh, shit. Well, that's going to be a wake up call. They weren't that dynamic responding to that. But then when you know Watkins gets in, we finally get a bit of play going. Watkins scores. And you think, right, that goal should hopefully trigger Villa into life and we should should go for the the three points here. And that was such a momentum switch to get to that point and then VAR to uh, pull it off. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I've said it numerous times before, and I know you don't always agree, but I think in in games like that, you know, you you make a bit of luck. And when you're playing that badly, and when you're doing, and you're not doing any of the the simple things well, you aren't going to get those breaks, I don't think. Because I think, you know, Villa didn't sort of come out, played some good football, been knocking on the door for a while. You think, yeah, Villa have. Villa are good value for the draw here, but Villa weren't good value for a draw or game. And that's not to say, you know, I know it's disrespectful to Newcastle, like Newcastle were crap. Newcastle weren't great, but I think they did their job and they stuck to it really well. They took their probably one good opportunity that they had. Yeah. I mean, all, all I'll say about Newcastle is they weren't as good as I was expecting. No, if you, I mean, I think, especially at the moment, if you go to St. James's and you keep Sam Maximan as quiet as we did and you come away with no points, you've done something fundamentally wrong. Yeah. And we and we have. I mean, you know, we, we can sit and analyse all day, and I don't particularly want to. What went wrong? I mean, you know, in, I'm sure in various Facebook groups and 
Twitter threads and everyone everyone will be bagging out an individual player. And I don't I'm not I'm not gonna throw any one individual under the bus today because that was collectively crap on the pitch and in the dugout. And you saw it. Gerard was just slumped in his chair at the end, just yeah. thinking, Well, that's being a shit show. Yeah, from start to finish. Yep. Because everything he said, which is you know, convinced us to a certain point about you know his winning mentality and the clarity of what he speaks and how he projects and uh, you think of uh, the backing that we've had and the players that we've got in you, you can actually see the path the progressive path forward yep. but then when you see a performance like that against a team and let's say teams I mean Leeds you know, they were missing key key men and at 3-1 they were there for the taking yeah, and here we are in a position where Newcastle actually it's, it doesn't look as it's, it's going to be as tough game as we were expecting. But this was a, a Villa team that, that showed it was just you know if you're not getting the ball in every corner we had every free kick it was over hit it was ineffective and these uh, you know these this is like gold dust opportunities that's why people spend so much time on free kicks and, and it's in yeah it's ingrained as well this is the problem now how do you stop this because. You know, I'm not bagging out Watkins, but we said last season how unlucky he was to have so many goals ruled, ruled out by VAR and hitting the bar and things. Well, there, there's a point in time where it stops being unlucky and it's like, right, you, you need to take a step back, Ollie. You need to hold your run. You need to look along the line because yeah. while, while that one was very close, you know, he didn't need to be so far forward to step back and he's he's fine. I mean, Coutinho was having a shot. He wasn't trying to cross to him, so he didn't need to be offside or in that position. I mean, in isolation, you, 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 everybody says unlucky, but I mean, I, you know, I always remember when Grealish scored that goal against West Ham in uh, the last day of the season and we're all like celebrating, yeah, we're going to stay up. And then within a minute, he deflected uh, their equaliser in. Nobody remembered that because it was all about how Grealish kept Villa up. Then you read Jurgen Klopp's comments about deflected goals, and he says they're bad blocks. Yep. And that's how you got to look at the Watkins thing, as Phil said, over a passage of, uh, you know, over gathering evidence here. It's like, well, yeah, if it's happening all the time now, it surely can't be uh, such bad luck that it continues. You ha- It gets to the point where, yes, you do have to address something in your game to make sure you're not getting that bad luck, because you seem to get it a lot. Yeah, and you and you, know, you and nobody will walk away from the ground or online or whoever's watching at home. Nobody walks away from that that game going, "Oh, Villa were really unlucky there. They really deserved something out of that game. They were, you know, they were really good value for a draw." Which, frankly, that was the kind of game we discussed this in Match Club at the time. If you're going to go to Newcastle and play like that, you get out of there with a draw. Any side who has aspirations of being where Villa want to be, and let's be frank, where Gerard, Perslow, and the players have all come out and said. This is where the bar is set. If you're going to go there and play badly, you get out there with a draw and go, this, you know, frustrating week, draw against Leeds, draw against Newcastle, but you keep your unbeaten run going. And we, and we can't do that at the minute. And if people are saying, well, you know, the people reacting about this result, they're being toxic and negative. It's like, well, that suggests you've got zero ambition for Aston Villa. And if you've got zero ambition for Aston Villa, then just get out of here. Because this was a, a was a, was a poor, poor performance. And there's been a lot of hype of certain young players that should be in the England World Cup squad and we should be signing uh, Philippe Coutinho tomorrow, just throwing 33 million at it. It's like you judge things over a period of time and you can't hype things up blindly unless there's actual results over time on the pitch. And the Newcastle game was an example of this This isn't happening at this moment in time. This isn't the team finishing top half, never mind Europe. This is a team that's undermining everything by, I don't know what it is. Is it poor attitude? Is it not executing uh, what they've been discussing in training? Do they need more time to execute it? But, but even that, it's just fundamentally overhitting 
set pieces, you know, hit, overhitting corners consistently. It's not like the odd one here and there. I wonder if it's just resilience. Squandering. I wonder if there's a lack of resilience in there. I wonder if, if things don't go our way, we can't react. Is there a lack of character? I'll put that in the same, the sort of the same, you know, the same family of, you know, traits, if you want to call it that, you know. When you, you, know, you look at like you know you look at who we've some of the games we've dropped points especially away from home you know you've gone to Newcastle atrocious Watford on the first day atrocious Brentford atrocious yeah this isn't like gallant the ma- losers the, man- the manner of some of those results you know I don't mind us losing to City home or away or you know when we lost to West Ham you know we got resoundingly beaten by West Ham with ten men I might add but you kind of come away from it going all right they they were just better than us on the day. Yeah. Newcastle were they better us, better than us on the day? I mean, yeah, in reality, but they're not like you don't look. You know, you don't. You never, you never at any point in the game thought, "Wow, Newcastle are playing some unbelievable football here," or "Wow, they've got us penned in," or "Really under pressure here," or or even like just superb battling effort yeah. by Newcastle. I thought they battled well, to be to be fair to them, but there was a lack of quality in the game as a whole, and you just you kind of just come away from the game going, "Well, that's why they're going to achieve their target this season." And that's exactly why, we've seen it in probably twice this week, the reality is why Villa won't achieve theirs. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's, is that Newcastle unbeaten in five games? They've certainly won three. Won the last three. three on the bounce. I think they drew the ones before that. So that's, uh, and Villa have only managed, what, three games unbeaten is the longest run? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the worrying thing for me is, you know, people saying, oh, bring this player in, bring that player in. There must be a reason they're not being brought in because is it is it, are they that bad in training? Are they not putting it in in training? Is the attitude not right? I mean, there's issues with the players on the pitch sometimes. But if 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 he's not willing to change and get you know put somebody else in instead of Louise just to pick that position, for example, then what's the rest of them doing? You'll hear some uh, positives saying, uh, oh, you know, it's you know, you know, they were tired after Leeds. And you know, look at Leeds. They how they easily got beat by Everton. They were like tired as well. Good for them. That's Leeds. Most teams were playing in that midweek, and uh, you have a chance if well they run the condition of uh, the players throughout the week after the game, and uh, there's opportunities to bring players in. You know, Ings could have come in for Watkins. Sansong could have come in. Chuck could have come in. There's opportunities there to freshen up three or four places i mean including uh konza uh, chambers coming in for konza so it's, it's not an excuse to be t- too oh it's tired after leads it's like well they weren't that tired because they had a good 45 minutes and then what did they do in the second half not much so they were re- pretty much resting up for the newcastle game <laughs> or whether he just doesn't trust what he has in reserve yet. well I mean, he should do i mean we've got enough got, got f- firepower now. on the bench i mean you've, the squad's getting deeper you've kind of got to now not like panic uh but now, this isn't like make 10 changes for Watford territory, but it's kind of like if, if people are knocking on the door or indeed if people aren't doing it, you've got to just take them out of harm's way and say, right, I'm putting you on the bench for Watford. Someone's coming in, they've deserved their opportunity if they've done it in training or 23s or whatever it is and see how they get on. And if people don't take their opportunities, so be it. So in terms of tiredness, he obviously felt that first 11 was uh, good enough to uh, play the 90 minutes. And uh, yeah. That's the end of that conversation, really. Yeah. And that, to be fair, they didn't look tired. It was it's just a lack of quality. I don't think we, would, yeah. we weren't yeah. lacking in legs or Individual energy. Individual mistakes. You wouldn't say, oh, Villa look really leggy here. We need fresh legs. They were just crap. Gerard, he would have gone into them big time. After the game or uh, whatever methods he used, just basically let them know that uh, that was not acceptable in any shape or form because uh, the ambition from the manager upwards is not for that to happen. No. 
and we'd have got bonus points if we beat Newcastle today because that's keeping them in that relegation mire. We've just given them a we we just gave them a bloody step ladder to help them get out of it. Well, we brought a helicopter and a fucking safety harness and just pulled them out. <laughs> <laughs> where do you want me to? Where do you want dropping lads? Uh, hopefully, the performance will improve against Watford. There's one team that steamrolled us a bit at the start of the season, so uh, we'll see if we can r- physically repel them uh, this time round. I was going to say which were the bad actors of uh, the Villa team All in this of them. game, but it was a bad cast, David. It was a bad cast. The whole ensemble cast. <laughs> in terms of the burning question of the week, uh, how do a Villa gain control of games? Is it a personnel issue or tactical and shape? Just at this point, with our current personnel and shape, you just say keep the ball. Well, yeah, that's all well and good saying that, but what's the reality? You've got to try and keep the ball. I don't, I don't know yeah. if it's. Per- I think the shape on paper with the players we've got to say that shape should work. I think it comes from that sort of that McGinn. Louise combination um, and probably the temp the tempo that you play you've got to play through the opposition's press yeah yeah, f- yeah. feed it to that final third as quickly as possible in- into the feet of Coutinho or Buendia and then let we've them s- we've seen when we do that you know orchestrate things yeah it's the hot potato again everything's panic I mean I don't this, the reason that the ball's bouncing off some of the players in midfield is because it's been fired at them because the, the person that's just passed it doesn't want it. Yeah, You don't need possession of the football necessarily, but you just need to be clinical in terms of your countering. Like we were against Leeds, really. And like how Leeds were against us. Yeah. Uh, and They just looked to threat every time they uh, broke past the halfway line. Yeah, both the games against Man United, first half against Everton. We've seen enough of Villa under Gerrard to suggest we can do this. We're just yet to see it consistently. Yeah. But this was just a bad, bad day. This was one of those days where nothing went wrong. There is a uh, growing pains issue of uh, how we're playing it out the back, and you know we keep discussing this uh, in various shapes of forms where the ball it normally just ends up at the feet of Mings after people pass it around and you know without any objective of getting it out there, and it's like oh there you go Mings, can you do something with that? He looks up and there's nothing on, and that's repeated game after game, and this is something that Gerard needs to address, uh, you know, quick sharp. Yeah, well, like he's come out after the game and just said, we didn't deserve anything out of the game given the level of performance. That's clear to me. He says Good. some changes need to happen as well. So Good. I think, I think he that's gets fair. It. He's not, he he's, does get it. He's not stupid. Yeah, he gets it. Yeah. At least that's that's one of the, the sort of the uh, you know the reassuring things is he's not he's not come out and talked to that bollocks as he going oh we deserved something there or we were unlucky I'd just be like nah, that was crap right next stop uh, Watford uh, as the guy next to me said oh uh, Newcastle leads Watford that's nine points well we're on one out of six so far Ouch. so uh, <laughs> not looking that good so hopefully we can uh, bring home the bacon against Watford until. Uh, we uh, queue up at the butchers. It's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. 
Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.